Football is back, and so is the Ringer NFL show. Coming at you five days a week with wall-to-wall coverage from recapping the Sunday games, giving a player perspective, deep dives, and previewing the coming slate. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. What's poppin'? Real ones. Logan Murdoch, Raja Bell here. Raja. Yo, yo. Raja. Check my levels. Let me check my levels. I'm checking my levels. You're checking your levels right now. Let me make sure my levels are are good for this one. My levels are good. You might need to, yeah, dog. So we had a whole other show to talk about today we had another rundown we're in the pod we're we're doing the pre-pod meeting it's really jovial we're talking about um you know i saw sasha mack at the at the warriors game last night it was a great night it was just jovial we're going to talk about boston celtics because raja was like i want to talk about the boston celtics i want to talk we need to talk (laughs) about them and then we're doing the the meeting and i see a look on sasha's face and it's just like oh my goodness mm-hmm. right and then she just says the story dropped and she puts it in the chat and this is a story we've been waiting on for weeks robert sarver is the owner of the Suns, and he probably takes that title a little bit too literally <laughs> um <laughs> considering the story that just dropped by with espn and baxter holmes it is a gauntlet of a story it is a bombshell it is Long as hell, it is um, just a lot of stuff detailing racism, misogyny, sexism, all the above. There is an anecdote about Robert Sarver pantsing a guy, uh, showing off his wife in a bikini in meetings. There is uh, him talking about, can I say the N-word when other player when he sees Draymond Green saying the N-word during a game? Um there's just so many anecdotes that paint a pattern of racism, misogyny, and all of these things. And this isn't new with the with the Suns, right? We've we've heard this behind the scenes. You know, me and Raja talk about this periodically when we talk about the Suns stories and some stories that you're going to hear today about Robert Sarver just being a just being an asshole and just be and doing all these things that painted. This isn't new, is all that I'm saying. 
And I want to say before we get this, for most of the stuff in here, Robert Sarver, through his attorney, is quoted in this and is denied pretty much everything, except for a few things in the pantsing ep- episode. He did not deny on that one. But most of these he's denied through his attorney. So I just want to make sure we have that in there as well. Raja, knowing that this has all come to light, what are your immediate reactions? Yeah, I, I didn't have any blatantly racist interaction with Robert Sarver. Right. Like I didn't have anywhere I was being called the N word or heard the N word come out of his mouth or, or anything like that. So I want to be fair to him in, in that regard. I, I have said before though, and I've shared, um, situations in which, you know, I was spoken to or one of my loved ones was spoken to in a way that made you question how the other person on the other end of the conversation viewed you, you know, um, because there's a way you see, say things. You know, it's difference between being spoken to and spoken at, you know? And so I've had interactions like that with Robert Sarver, but it's not surprising to me. Um, I Phoenix deserves better, especially this year, if that makes sense, right? Like, I feel weird saying that, but, you know, they are in a window. They just went to the finals. This is going to be an insurmountable distraction for that team. It's going to be a mess. Um, so I feel bad for Phoenix Suns fans, the players on the team. Uh, but but generally, Logan, I've dealt with a lot of owners, and certainly all owners aren't aren't bad people, and all or- owners um, don't conduct conduct themselves the way he's been accused of conducting himself. But it's not a surprising thing when you tell me someone in an ownership position in one of these leagues <laughs> may act like that or or harbor some of these feelings. It's not surprising to me. There, there was one anecdote that I really want to get into uh, at least first, and um, this is um, from Earl Watson who. There's really big, a really big character in this story. Uh, just, it seems like he is the catalyst of the story in general, and then everything just come, builds around uh, Earl Watson's experiences. Um, but one of those things that he said was that, you know, we need a bit more diversity um, in, in the building. And, you know, very fair requests considering where we are as a society right now. You know, we, we want to have a diverse set of minds and, you know, by and large, that's proven that, Hey, you know, that, that makes, that makes a company better. So he says, Hey, I want some more diversity, uh, Mr. Sarver. And according to Watson, Sarver says, I don't like diversity. Uh, <laughs> uh. I don't think to say, which is a wild, I'm sorry. I know this is a serious one, but that is a wild thing to say. Um, I don't like diversity. And according to Watson, uh, Sarver said, having a diverse staff makes it hard for people to agree, which is a wild thing to say. It's a wild thing to say. What do you mean? <laughs> it makes it. So we just need one point of view. I think that right there, is the basis that really just this, this blows the story one wide open and two just kind of shows the culture that is in Phoenix. When we talk about misogyny, we talk about racism, when we talk about sexism and things like that, especially during this time when the NBA says, hey, we are with our black players and we are with our uh, players of color. We are with uh, women. We are with for diversity. When you have a guy say something like, I don't like diversity, obviously he, you know, has it, as denied these things, right? I want to make sure that is put it out there. But when you get these, these little anecdotes from people that have worked with him, it's pretty concerning, Raja. It's pretty concerning. And also in light of, you know, we had Donald Sterling about what, not a decade ago, but just under a decade ago, we had Donald Sterling and the things that he said and um, the racist remarks that he said, Robert Sarver, you could make a compelling argument. He needs to get the fuck up out the paint. Just even off of that alone. What do you think when you say, when you hear 
I don't like diversity and I don't like these things. How do you feel about that? Is that on brand? What is that? What is, what does that feel? Do you go back and think, Oh, this is how, how are you processing this right now? Yeah. I mean, it, I will say this again, no blatantly racist interaction with Robert Sarver. Yeah. Having said that, I think I've been clear that I'm not the biggest Robert Sarver fan. Right. And so it does make me reflect on some of my interactions um, with Robert Sarver, some of the ones he had with my wife, some of the ones that that I was privy to with his kids on the bus. And what it always brings me back to was my, my general feeling around there was this is a spoiled person who's been spoiled, been raised with certain means um, to some degree, probably feels like rules don't apply. Um, and in his current position with this franchise really feels like he owns it in every sense of that word. Not like I bought the franchise and I am in, I am on a team now and we are working towards a common goal together. I just happen to be the head of the organization, but literally I own this and not the a people business that owner work for this, not a business no. owner, no a owner of people. Is yeah, what, but a is business, a, a, you can own a business and be a cooperating partner and a and a a a hands on. We're all in this together. You know, we win together, we lose together type of person. You know what I mean? And then there's another type of owner where like I own you. And I reflect on the conversation. I'll tell it again about the co the contract extension I wanted. Yeah, it was a bold swing on my part, but we were playing well. Like, and you know, we we were we were an ascending team, and so I went in. It, I, I wasn't up for an extension, but I could have gotten an extension and I was hoping there was goodwill. I don't even care that there wasn't. That's not the point. It was the way he said it to me that, that left me feeling what did he like, say, Can we, let's, let's talk. Again, was that? I'll happened? tell it again. Yeah. I, I, you know, I went in, right, Steve Kerr was at the meet, at the lunch and, you know, we were in a salad and we talked about it. He asked something and I, I, you know, I, I said, yeah, I'd like an extension. I really love it here. My family loves it here. Like it's best, you know, I'm in my prime and feel like my career should end here. And, He's eaten and he said, like, just matter of fact and casually, like, do you deserve an extension? Yes. Am I going to give you one? No. All right. And I was, could have been done. Could have been done. Right. He said, yeah. you want to know why? And I said, yeah. He said, because I don't have to. And then just kept, you know, going about his business again. You can feel how you want to feel about that. But I felt really shitty because there's a way you do that. I'm, I'm still there. I'm still playing for your team. I'm still a part of what's going going on. It's still my family. And that's the way you chose to like message me that day. There was a lot of different ways where we could have where you could have had the same, you could have had the same message for me and just packaged it different if you cared to. And you didn't. And that's okay. That doesn't make you racist, but it does make you someone who doesn't really care about the people, you know, or at least you didn't care about me that day. Right. Yeah. And so those are those are things that I have to reflect on when, when, when something like this comes out. Did I, I know when we were, cause we, had, it was a very, I want to give full transparency to the real ones out there. Um, before this, uh, pod, you know, we usually get into the pod and we usually like we probably talk for like 10 minutes. This was like an hour conversation before the pod. And during the pod, Rob was just hitting motherfuckers. He was just calling people, just hitting people. Just was like, yo, all my Phoenix partners, let's assemble. I'm sure the group chat is popping right now. Um, <laughs> Have you gotten any reactions from anybody else? Like, how does how how are people feeling? They are from not your era? surprised. What's going on? It's yeah. universally the same thing I said when you asked me. No one is surprised, and 
uh, you know, I'm not getting into putting names out there and I'm certainly not going to tell anyone else's story. It's theirs to tell, but, but it, everyone has said in, in one way or another that this isn't a surprising thing to them. And then going on to give a little bit of backstory as to why it's not. So, you know, it's not like we touched on, I mean, I don't know. I'll share this. I'm sure my wife doesn't mind. I was, it probably was 06, maybe 07. The all-star game was in Houston, right? And it was the first time, you know, I, w- I was really shooting the ball. Mike D'Antoni had freed me up to to shoot it. And Steve was putting it on my hands and I shot it well. And so they asked me to shoot in the three-point contest. And my wife happened to be pregnant. And so I went to Houston, um, super excited to be there, ready to rep for the Suns. And I got a call from my wife. She miscarried. And, you know, I had a choice to make. I could shoot the next day and hang out that night and, and, and then go home or I could get on the first thing smoking and go home. And I chose to go home. Like it was an easy decision for me. Like it wasn't even a big deal. Like I'm out. Um, and that was kind of the end of it until Robert Sarver one night was on a flight with us. Um, and my wife came back to her seat and you know, when you, when you've been with someone that long, you know them. So I could tell, I was like, man, something is wrong. She's fuming right now. And I was like, yo, what, what's up? And she was like that motherfucker. Like she just, Went off, and I was like, "What? Happened? You slow down. What happened?" And she said that she had. Because you ready to ride? You ready to ride at this? Yeah, point. because who knows what happened at that point? Yeah. I don't know. It's a lot of people on the plane, right? Yeah. And so, you know, she's like, um, "You know, Robert Sarver. I just ran a Robert Sarver up in the front." And I was like, "Well, what happened?" And she said, "Well, he said something to me about how lucky I should feel to have you that you would leave, you know, the All Star game to come home and be with me after I miscarried." And I that was really fucked up. Like, not only is it super insensitive and you're not even, you know, acknowledging the fact that we just went through something really traumatic and she just went through something even more traumatic than either one of us could ever imagine. But to allude to the fact that, like, my priorities and she should be lucky to have me because my priorities were to come home and be with her just completely marginalized who she was as a person. You know what I mean? Like, and it was super shitty and. You know, she never she never forgave Robert for that. And to this day, probably wouldn't wouldn't speak to Robert Sarver if she saw him. But again, at the time, Logan, in the midst of everything going on in my world, it wasn't something that I really sat down there and really dug into and 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 parsed out for what it really was. But in retrospect, and now given a little context, you're like, ah, yeah, I can see that. Roger, that's fucked up, man. And like that ties into when we look in the story, the overall picture of how women are treated in this organization. You know, there's this time um, that is spoken about in the story about a pregnant son's employee um, who was helping coordinate the uh, 2009 All-Star Game in Phoenix uh, was told by Sarver that she wouldn't be able to continue the role uh, because she was pregnant. And uh, this is corroborated by two employees with knowledge of these remarks the two employees said that Sarver explained that the woman would be breastfeeding and would need to be home with her newborn. Um, now, Sarver has denied this through his attorney and said that he was 100% behind the woman and, and, and helping her in any way that she can. Um, just the overall way that um, he has been painted to to uh, treat women in the story. Even his own wife is uh, putting, he's putting pictures of her in a bikini and showing that around. And one staffer said, it's like we were playing hot potato with the, with the picture. And he doesn't all a hundred percent deny this Says, Hey man, there was just this, these new merchandise and I just wanted to show it off and it got misconstrued. No, man, you are, it, it just seems like you were objectifying women in this one. And just talk about, a, it's just an overall culture of just, 
being toxic to everyone involved in this organization. What does that do for an organization when you see when you see stuff like that where everybody is on edge in this way? And we know this. Everybody's just trying to get into the NBA. They're trying to get a job. They're trying to support their family. They're trying all they ask for is a healthy work environment. Even if you were doing that stuff, it's it's not it's not cool. At, at the very least, it makes you uncomfortable. At the worst, it's sexual harassment. What do you feel when you when you hear these things? And what, how, what kind of effect does that have on an organization? Well, I think, you know, it's a shame, um, first and foremost, right, for the people who had to endure, you know, some of those experiences. But I think organizationally and, and big picture for me, you feel like you got less than the best out of what we had there. And I say that because if you're operating, and I know firsthand how hard it is to get into that fucking fraternity. Now, I wasn't in the executive offices at that point in my career. I was on the court, but I know what kind of sacrifices have to be made. And I know how many doors get shut in your face and how many people tell you you can't do it. So I know what it feels like to be there and just be happy to be there. So to have someone looming over you and creating a culture of fear, um, you can't do your best job. Like. Yeah. You're just trying to survive, right? And like, I'm getting a little emotional because that's fucked up. And it makes you feel like you probably didn't get the best, not only out of us as players, but out of the people in that building because you're really just trying to, you know, avoid the wrath or the whatever it is from whoever has it and just kind of keep surviving in this world that you've always aspired to be in. And so you're going to get less than people's best. And that's a shame. Um, Yeah. But I will say, like, I read the article and, like, one of Earl, I played with Earl. Earl's a great dude, man. One of Kansas City's, you know, finest, bro. Earl's my guy. Um, to hear him with the Rich Paul, like, there was an anecdote in there about, about when Bledsoe, they were trying to tank and they had sat Bledsoe down and then it was time to renegotiate. And the gist of it is Robert Sarver tried to use Bledsoe's numbers against him, I guess, even though they yeah. had sat Bledsoe down and Rich Paul kind of wasn't with it. And they got into some sort of, you know, what it happens. Like you're in a negotiation, yeah. right? Like not everyone is going to be the same mindset, right? And, and I guess that's that that old, I don't like diversity shit. But, you know, he was offended and threatened Earl Watson, who was also a Clutch Sports client, that if he didn't drop Clutch Sports and Rich Paul as representation, that he would fire him. And then made Earl Watson choose like earl asked him if that was actually factual right because earl's that type of dude and robert was like yeah it is you either drop them you got 10 days drop them or keep your job like that you that's a that's a place of you're operating from a place of fear everyone is living in a constant state of fear and then you cannot get people's best like that you can't get people's best like that and then all i see in this if when i read it is people don't feel safe there's no way you can feel safe in that environment. And when you don't feel safe, you're not going to perform. You're going to, um, you're, you're not, man. I can't imagine that. I can't even put myself in a position when, um, you know, of your wife or the, the, the pregnant, uh, uh, son's employee who's, uh, who went through what they went through. Uh, I, I couldn't even imagine that, but damn dude, I, you know, when you hear, when you see, tra- when you hear about traumatic stuff, you see why it's systematic. You see why, forget the team shit, forget like the on-court stuff, but it's a, an overall symptom of uh, how, how, how bad something can get and this what is, are the ramifications when that happens. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like I, while this is 
Robert Sarver and Phoenix Sun centric right now. And I don't want to minimize that at all. I, I want to be clear. I've been in other organizations. This isn't, this isn't a, you know, this isn't a, a one-off. This isn't like an anomaly. Like this, this yeah. is, you know, I, I've told the stories before about being in, on the executive side and having to remind people that these are not commodities on a board um, that are being traded. This isn't like the opening bell of the stock market where pieces are just being moved and we're buying and we're selling and I own and now I, I, I traded and like that. But way too often, you know, that's the way it works. And so while the, definitely like this article is about Robert Sarver and the Sons, it's, it's bigger than that, man. Like this is, and I know people don't want to hear it. And, you know, I, like we're going to do this shit. Fuck it. I don't like doing it, but we're going to do it. I saw something the other day about Kaepernick, right? And he's got his Netflix show, right? And people were all up in arms because he said something about the NFL draft being like a, a slave auction, right? Yeah. And people were livid. And and what, what I read a lot because I got into those comments and read was like, well, does Tom Brady, you know, feel like a slave or does whatever feel like a slave? Now, look, I'm not – the fact is these leagues – and while Tom Brady and other white athletes are are huge parts of the leagues, right, they're not – the overwhelming majority of the leagues they're in it too. So yeah, like they should feel like that. If that, yes, the answer to that is yes. Like if you're being poked and prodded and length taken and all of that, then yeah, like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be black and white to feel like someone feels like they own you. Yeah. Right. You don't have to be black or any, or, or any race for that matter for someone to like speak to you and project on you that they're better than you and they own you. And it happens all the time in sports. Yeah. Um, and I think just an overall thing and there's something that even in our coverage, because I can, I can speak to that. I want to get to your, your experiences as a player in a second, but even in when we, when we, the way we cover the league sometimes, man, I go on, um, I go on TV, I watch TV shows and the people that are talking will say, Hey man, like such and such is a very hot commodity in the marketplace. It's like, dude, the motherfucker has a, has a name, has it has as a is a human being, has a family. He's not a fucking number. And I just don't like how we forget a lot of the times, or maybe we don't care, but these these are people. Um, but what do you think when um, you know, as a player, when uh there's an overall culture of being owned by ownership and everything like that, where it just seems like you're just a highly played commodity and you're not necessarily an employee that that makes all this shit pop how does that make you feel when when you when you get that culture around where it seems like oh no nah, roger you're not you're not you're just a number and you can be replaced the brainwashing starts early is what i'm gonna say to you logan mm. it starts really early um and you're made to feel lucky to be there you know you hear it all the fucking time Oh, I mean, you should yeah. be lucky. You get to dribble a ball. Oh, you, you feel lucky. You should be lucky. You get to pay, pay luck my ass. Like, yep. I, what, what are you talking about? I didn't go to a prom. I didn't go to a homecoming. I didn't do, like, I spent an entire lifetime trying to achieve this. Nobody calls a, nobody calls a hedge fund manager lucky. Yeah. Right? They say he's brilliant. Like, he's, like, no one does that. So it's, it's deep though, dog. It's deep. So they make you feel, so I say that to say that when you're in it and you're a player like me, I can admit this. It didn't affect me the way it should have. I should have been, I should have taken some of those experiences, really reflected, like known self and been like, yo, don't fucking do that to me. 
but I didn't because I was happy to be there. I was, I felt lucky to be making that type of money and getting to live my dream and play basketball. Right. And so sometimes people prey on that and they keep you in that box and they keep you feeling like, like, yo, I can. And because admittedly, you know, I, I wanted to play in the NBA. And so like, I wasn't trying to bite the hand that fed me. Like I was, you know, even if I felt, and I, I'm saying this again, because I want to be clear that I did not have an interaction where I, 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 where I went home at night and was like, God, dog, that was some racist ass and had to swallow my pride. I didn't have one of those. But if I did, I don't know what I would have done because that was my livelihood. It's what I had worked my whole life for. It's what I had earned the right to do. And I didn't want that taken away from me. Right. And, and so, you know, like, I, I don't know how else to put it. Like that's, that's just, it's the world that, that you operate in. And as players, you do compartmentalize. Like you talk that shit. Like I've said before about young young Sarver, I think, I don't remember which one of his sons. I have no problem with the young men. They were, they were good kids, man. Like I'm sure they're great young men now. Like, I don't know. I don't know them, but they would frequently hop on our buses or our planes where, you know, these are seats people sit in every day. Like this isn't like a one-off. It ain't like I sit in that seat today. And then two weeks later, I'm in that seat. I sit in this seat like for a hundred games with the preseason. Like this is where I'm going to sit. This is where Steve's going to sit. That's where Amari, that's where Sean, Leandro, Boris, you know, this is where we sit. And when those little dudes hop on your plane and plane rides are even more bus rides can be short. Plane rides are long flights and you're typically playing cards or doing something like that. So it's, it's imperative that you sit in that seat or you ain't in the card game. And you guys are all about routine. We're all about routine. And so you got a, uh, let's see, we had a two, four, eight man poker game going on, right? To hop on the plane and have someone be excluded from the eight man poker game that he's always in for a five hour flight because the owner's son who's seven wants to sit in that seat is kind of shitty. And it's even shittier to have said kid turn around and say, yeah, my dad owns the plane. I mean, owns the team, right? Now that happened on a, that happened on a bus. Like the, the, my dad owns the team, but the same sentiment, um, could have been, you know, in, in, inferred or what have you on the plane, yeah. because he's already told you my dad owns this shit. This is where I'm going to sit. And so as players, yeah. we we're just like, you know, it sucks. We talk a little shit about it, but then we go out there the next night and we do our job because we get paid well to do it. And ain't nobody beefing about that, but you know, it can make you feel shitty. You guys are taught to compartmentalize a lot of things or also use that shit as fuel, right? Like, oh, if somebody's, you know, especially to us two as black men is when we sit, when we hear like, oh, some racist shit, or even if it's anything that, you know, we hear, we're used to like, oh, fuck you. I'm going to show you like, fuck you. That's basically the, the sentiment that we feel. And I can imagine on a bigger level, that's something that you would just have to compartmentalize because you don't want to let allow that to ruin your dream. You don't want to fucking do that. It's like, okay, well, this happened. I got to move forward because you're constantly taught to that um, as a professional athlete. You got to you got to go through the adversity, right? It, whatever that means. But um, listen, if you cried enough, if you cr- if they there was a time, I don't know what the culture is in the NBA now, but you get you get blackballed for that, bro. Yeah. They had your ass out that league. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. Off top. Will Hollow. Ask Craig Hodges. Ask Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf. Yeah. You got to go. And so we're not like, those dudes might have been stronger. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know their whole case history and, and what have you. But for a player like me, you know, I'm, hey, bro, I'm trying to make this living, bro. It's my job. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man. 
I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. There's just so many anecdotes in this thing. There was the one the the anecdote that I really that we that just pissed both me and Raja off was um we'll call it the uh Carlton anecdote is when um two former I'm gonna read it. In 2017, two former employees said that a white white male executive repeatedly called a black coworker Carlton in reference to the character from the 90s TV show The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. In at least one instance, he jokingly told the coworker to do the Carlton for him. The employee said the black co-worker on multiple occasions told the white executive to stop calling him that name and that he was not going to dance for him. Super racist, one former employee said. Now, just on a human level, man, if somebody tells you to stop doing shit, stop. Like, this is what we what we teach our kids, bro. If somebody tells you to stop doing something, you stop. Correct. That's, stop. Not, that's not even racist. While it is racist, that's dehumanizing someone, bro. Yes. And this is the culture that we have. You talk about the um, Robert Sauver's kids that I don't listen, man. I don't I don't know them and I don't I don't don't know them. Right. And I'm not saying I'm not saying anything disparaging about him. But what I'm going to say is it's a cycle. We hear all this stuff in your organization and then you hear an anecdote about a kid saying my dad owns the team. That's it's systematic. That's not that's not something that just you just get. That's learned behavior. That's learned privilege. That's that's learned right there. And then, um, you know, when you see systematically disrespect towards women, disrespect towards all these things, it's a systematic thing. And that's why, you know, I think Robert Sarver need to get up out the paint. If the, the NBA is talking about this, yo, we're trying to be more inclusive. We're trying to do all these things. You got to you got to do you have to do something drastic here. And. You know, the NBA has a lot. This is another reminder. The NBA has a lot of work to do. You talk about what's happening right here on this Phoenix Suns, uh, what's going on here with the, with the sexism, the racism and all these things. I look at another team. You know, you saw the Dallas Mavericks are going through, have gone through that in the past with, um, you know, sexual assault and things like that. And, you know, there's been a lot of criticism on the outcry of that. But, like, you got to figure out what you're going to do, NBA, because this is a totally different time. You had the Black Lives Matter on the court. You had all these things about we're going to be inclusive and, and have bet more quality. We are the liberal league, as, you know, we always hear, Raja. We are the league that, you know, we're forward thinking. We're all these things. No, nah, fam, you got to – this is systematic, and this is a, a black eye on your league. What's up, Raja? It, it, it is. It is. All of what you said is true, and it's going to be fascinating because while we are – that league and they want to tell you that they're that league they they're not made up like of of from an ownership perspective any kind of diverse group of people that's one type of people from an ownership group right and so while we're we're saying we're a league of all of this type of stuff because our 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 members and and the product that's on the floor is is largely and predominantly you know of color like the ownership group isn't and so it's going to be very interesting to see how they approach these type of allegations made towards Robert Sarver um, 
and what they decide to do with them. I'm not calling for anything. Like I, I that's all got to be sorted out. Investigations are going to have to be done. I don't, but I would imagine that owners, at least some of them, right? So there are going to be some of them that are like, yo, he got to go. Yeah. More, some of the more progressive owners are going to be like, yo, we ain't with that shit, man. He got to go. That doesn't represent us. There yeah. are going to be others. And they wouldn't probably not let you see them in broad daylight, but they're there that are going to be like, we can't set precedent by, by letting this type of. And why can't we set president Roger Bell? Why can't we do that? Why can't we set a president by kicking someone out for this? Why? Tell well, me why. Cause Roger. you can't come looking under my rocks. Yep. Like I, you can't come looking into my closet. You know, I can't have somebody from nine years ago come out and say that they heard me say this, that, and the other and have it corroborated. And now I'm, my head's on the chopping block. I can't do that. Yep. So, you know, that's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. I just, it, and that's one of those things where, you know, you see the NFL, you see the NBA, you see all these leagues that are saying we're going to, you know, promote equality and promote all these things. It's like, honestly, man, this is one that's systematic. And because it's systematic, you are going to have to, if you really bout it and we're going to try to get racism out of our league, out of the league, then go get racism out of your league. Go, go, you have to, you got to, you have to kick all these motherfuckers out. If that's what you're going to do, that's, that's what it is. And so it's, that's the waters we have to, they, that the, these leagues have to tread because like you said, this ain't the only, this ain't the only story. This ain't the only owner to act like this. We are, we've, we've heard stories all around. I've heard stories. You've heard stories. It's, it's, this is just somebody that finally got caught up because also let's be real. We've heard stories about Robert Sarver throughout the years. We know this, we've heard this around the league around just him also being a terrible owner in general just being just being first it was cheap then it was another thing then it was this and it's definitely affecting you can't tell me this hasn't affected this season for the for the Suns uh, there was some anecdotes about last season about him berating players and berating team staff members and shit like that that's why you're not good Robert Sarver it's because of you it's because of you and it's systematic, man. How does this how does this uh, affect the uh, current team, the the current roster on the Phoenix Suns right now? You got Chris Paul, you got Devin Booker, you have a contender, you have a really good basketball team built by James Jones. You do. Um, what do you do? What do you do now? Well, they're not playing great. That's where it starts. They're not playing great basketball right now. Um, you also add in in the DeAndre Ayton, you know, contract extension that was already kind of hanging over the team. I'm not ready to say that this is an insurmountable hurdle, um, but man, it's close. It's close. And I'm, I'm not, I mean, again, the, the difference between a championship contending finals appearance team and a second round exit in seven games is not as big as people would have you believe. It's fractional, you know? And so what I would say to that is any distractions that could affect that percentage chance are 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 more than you need, and so they're just surmount. They're just accumulating on Phoenix now, and this is a big one. Like this is the DeAndre yep. Ayton thing was an issue, and we talked about how he but was going to have that's to. That's a normal issue, though, by and large, and from Anandaya. It is a normal it's issue, but still, still something that could wind up being a distraction yep. to a team. This one isn't a normal one, but it's but it's massive. And people have to answer questions. And we go in there on a daily. And I would imagine there's going to be more fallout and more people that aren't normally around your team in there conducting interviews and, 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 you know, 
doing what they need to do due diligence wise to figure out where Robert Starver stands as an owner in the league. And all of that, when you put it all in a pot, it's just really hard to play your best basketball or for the people around the basketball team to do their best job to give the basketball team the best chance to win. I don't, I don't, I don't imagine they're able to, to live up to, to the expectations this year. It seems like all of um, Phoenix Suns teams that have been great have been great despite Robert Sarver, right? It, it, everything that you've told me, it just seems like, yo, we've just, we've been good because we had our, our infrastructure, but that was kind of away from Robert Sarver, right? You well, know, we, it wasn't, felt, we felt, look, Again, I'm I, I'm I'm disappointed in this story. I am not surprised by this story. I am not here to tell you who Robert Sarver is as a as a man. I don't know him well enough. I'm here to tell you my interactions with him, my wife's interactions with him, the way I was made to feel while I was there. But I don't know him like that. Yeah. Can you dig what I'm saying? When I was there and we played, we didn't. We were our own team. Like we were. We were. You know, a galvanized group of dudes, Mike D'Antoni and company, like to some degree when the Colangelos were there, they were a part of that. Like, and we felt like we ran independently of, of what was going on upstairs and in those executive offices, you know? Um, but all of that has to come together to make a championship product. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it supports your statement that it's in spite of, but I ain't here to say that. I'm just here to say, like, these were my experiences. Um, and I know for a fact when we were there, we didn't really, we felt like we were our own side of that, of that business, man. We handled our own business. We, we were, we were accountable to Mike and staff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not in the building right now. Roger's not in the building. I'm just saying from the outside looking in. It seems like uh, ownership and the front office is a bit more, um, they work a bit more together than when you were there. Cause it seems like there was, you guys were a sovereign state when the Colangelo's were there. Right now, it seems like there's a, is a Sarver's a bit more integrated into the day to day stuff. And they've still won in spite of that. I don't know. So with that being said, I just don't know how that's going to play out with, um, this season because you're going to see Sarver on a regular day to day, but, or you're going to see his influence on a day to day basis, bro. That's just what it is. I, I just he better, I don't, he better stay his ass at home. <laughs> no real talk you want to do the best by your team stay home bro right now yeah. right now during this stay home yeah like you know uh, go sit up in your box don't be down in a locker like sit up in your box you know it's your it's your thing or sit on you know but don't be in the it's maybe a terrible look man it would speak of if if you weren't convinced that he was a uh a megalomaniac at this point like if he brings his ass and he's all present in that locker room and still, you know, operating, then he's just put his stamp on that. Like, stay out of the way right now. For Robert Sarver, and I think there's a key difference. There's one thing I always compare that I'm comparing this to is that's the Donald Sterling events that happened in uh, with the Clippers. Uh, but that had that was on tape. And the difference between this one is Robert Sarver, through his attorney, denied most of this stuff. And these are all anecdotes that are reported by other employees. Sure, yes, and. I mean, I'm be quite frank. I do believe these employees. There was they they interviewed over 70 people for the story. Baxter Holmes did. What do you think this is going to have ramifications if there isn't a smoking gun or a tape? Do you think that they're going to get them about the pain, or are they going to just say, "Hey, we can't really prove this"? Like, what do you think is next from an NBA perspective? It's going to be fascinating because as a as a league, they're in a much different place. As a country, we're in a much different place as it pertains to, you know, social justice and, and, and inclusion and, and, um, things of that nature. And so, 
like I said before, it's just going to be fascinating. My, you know, my gut says we're, there's not, there's not going to be much they can do about that. It's funny because like, I, you know, ever since it's like, you know, the, the, after George Floyd and um, everything that's come after that, I've constantly just been in denial of the fact that like people could actually get fired for being racist. I don't think it's, I still don't think it's possible. Like I, <laughs> well, I'm always surprised when they, when they, if they get, if they get fired for, um, they get, if they were, if they lose their team or something bad happens for like racism, sexism, all this stuff, I'm still always surprised when it happens because it just, it just, you know, up until a year and a half ago, it just didn't happen. So I'm in of the mind with you. I don't think anything is going to happen Nothing's until happen. it happens. I don't know what happens with this. Again, my gut says there's not much they can do. I, I, kn I know for a fact that other owners are going to immediately try to take the stance of this is a slippery slope. Like we cannot start um, taking teams away for something like this. So, you know, again, just going to be fa fascinating to see what the league does with it whether they conduct an investigation, whether whether it's even proposed that that he should, you know, like it's going to be interesting to watch. I'll just have to sit back and see how it plays out. Yeah, man, it's it's going to be a lot, dude. And, I, and this, it's so much to come out of this. This is one of those stories where this is just the initial story, man. There's going to be so much that comes out of this. So many, so many ramifications, so many uh, follow up stories. And honestly, this is real journalism, man. You know, you just got to really tip your cap to like, yo, these employees were fucking fed up. They were like, fuck this shit. We're going to, we're going to fucking, we're going to tell our stories. It takes a lot of fucking courage to do that. Shout out Earl Watson for fucking telling this story. Thank you, Roger, for telling your shit, man. That it's, it's, it takes a lot to fucking do that, man. It's, that's why it's systematic because people are fucking scared. No one should have to experience this shit in the workplace. You know, you go to work to provide for your family and to reach your dreams and it's a toxic work environment you know take all that stuff it's a fucking toxic work environment and i don't i wouldn't want to work at, at at with the phoenix suns or i wouldn't want to work with that after seeing them shit like this and i feel for all the people that i know and the and the suns organization that has to deal with today like I, I know some folks in the organization it sucks i feel awful for them too and specifically one dude who i've known for a long time that's James Jones, Jupes, because this is your first gig, you know, yeah. this, this was your baby of a team. Um, not only has, has that come up against a really, really difficult challenge, but now you're left as a, as a black man in that workplace to some degree, having to decide whether your career is more important or if you've experienced anything like that. And I can't say that James has because I, I don't walk in James' shoes. Um, but if he has standing up and saying it, it's an impossible situation. It's a really, it's a really, really tough spot to be in. And so I don't envy it and I feel bad. Yeah, man. I, man, I just hope everybody, I just hope that they spoke to 70 employees, man. Ain't nobody lying when you talk to 70 people. I don't, I'm, I'm sorry, dude. It, I'm sorry. And I know, um, and, you know, people are going to say, oh, for the fucking sun. We knew this was a thing when the sun's preemptively put out all those statements, you know, we knew it was a big deal when that happened. And you can't tell me that this isn't true when 70 people say that. Say that it's, you can't, no, not 70 people aren't going to lie. Right. In unison. They're not going to do it. 
And especially from a journalism perspective, I know ES, the reason why the story didn't come out after it leaked that a story was like this was going to come out. The reason why it didn't come out immediately is because there's all these legal ramifications. They have to go through the legal team and make sure that this is good so that so their publication doesn't get sued. They had to vet this. So, boom, this is this is something that that is real. And I just feel for everybody in that in that building, man. I feel for everybody. I feel for those people who have to work in that that environment, dude. And you know, like this is—it's not something where you can just go get another job. All right, this is—it's a fraternity. It's hard to fucking to find people to do work like this because it's—it's it's just hard, man. This is a hard business to get into. People's dreams are at stake, and for you to fucking do this stuff—that's—that's that's evil, man. I don't want to. I don't want to read the stuff about a pregnant son's employee that shit it's heartbreaking bro and to, to see you know the racism this shit is heartbreaking man and just taking advantage of the fact of people's dreams bro like you should be happy to be here fuck that i earned my way here i earned my way into this building you know imagine telling roger bell bro who fucking went you know what the irony you know what the irony is and all of that made to feel less than as someone who's worked their whole life to get where they're trying to go and scrapped and clawed and maybe came out of circumstances that a lot of people don't come up out of and succeed. And the one making you feel like that was handed banks by his dad. Mm-hmm. That's some wild shit. Yeah. Made myself up out of nothing. Not me personally, right? You understand what I'm saying? But someone who's who's risen in the ranks and just paid dues and scrapped and clawed and grinded and took shit and dealt with it and came back and took it the next day and now they've achieved the level of success that 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 they dreamt of their whole life like made themselves up out of nothing is 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 there and by, on their own hard work and you're there because your daddy gave you a bank straight up and 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 i think about earl watson who's a catalyst of the story bro when are he gonna get a coaching game? like you know he's fucked up he, it's wh- obvious it's obvious can we Look, let me, I'm just going to do my little inner conspiracy theory thing right, right here, Logan, because it was interesting to me. And this is where my mind went when I first saw this. And I realized Earl was kind of the centerpiece in it. You know, Earl was a, a young head coach in the league. You don't just get those jobs. Like you, someone's got to think really highly of you, right? And so whether or not you have the ultimate success the first time you get the job or not, you know, isn't necessarily the point. The point is someone like that who gets fired because the team doesn't do well, they typically wind up on someone else's staff in some capacity the next year, like, you know, learning more and refining their, 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 their toolbox more and doing what they need to do to ultimately get back to that hood coaching job potentially one day. The fact that Earl didn't work again until 2021 raised some real red flags for me. Like I had to really like, you know, I, I don't know, maybe Earl decided he didn't want to work for three more years. And then four years later said, Oh, I want to work again. I don't know, but it, it, I, I have to wonder. That's when it goes systematic, bro. When you get blackball off a league because somebody else was racist or somebody else did something and said that you were, uh, you know, just who spoke out. And this is why people don't speak out, ladies and gentlemen. This is why. This is why people don't speak out because they got to support their family. And the only way they, they can do that is biting the bullet and going ahead. And if they don't, they will. They risk getting blackballed. That's why when you hear, oh, why didn't the victim speak out sooner? Why didn't they say it in the moment? That is fucking why. And so this is all, it's, it's just disappointing. It's, it's frustrating. It is all of the above. Um, it's just, it's, it's just 
I, I don't know. I don't have. I don't know any more to say. Do you have anything else to say on this? I don't. I don't no. know what else to say on this, hey, bro. I, I, I can't. Hey, shout out. Hey, listen, Chris Paul and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and all the young bucks. Put your head down. Keep your eyes on that prize. Go to work. It's it's the it's the brotherhood. Just keep it in that locker room. You don't control any of that anyway. You very rarely get to be a part of a window of opportunity. You guys are in it. Yeah. For to whatever degree you cannot, to whatever degree you can avoid this being a distraction, do that. Like, yeah. That's what I would say. Because this is a All mess. Right. And I had a real one of the week from last night, but I'm not even gonna do that, man. I'm gonna. I'm going to give a real one of the week to the, to the Suns employees, bro, and all the motherfuckers that spoke out. I'm going to give that to them. And all, all the real ones of the week to do that, it was you, y'all some Gs. All of y'all are some Gs. The people who spoke out and who didn't spoke out and who got who went through this shit. That's my real one of the week. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, can I just say this real quick? I'm going to do a real one now, but, I, but I'm going to hijack this for a second because I told you guys something and people were like, mm, you hit me with nothing. And I asked you, remember I asked you about the Celtics and I asked you about whether or not, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is where we're at. Yep. I asked you about whether or not, because this is what I watch. When I watch these games, I'm like, man, there feels like a little bit of a power struggle. Oh yeah! Hey, he Jason hijacked it. He said, "He said, yo, he said he gonna talk about the Celtics today." I am gonna talk about that because I feel <laughs> I I feel it when I'm watching games, right? I feel yeah. it when I'm watching games. Like both of them are trying to get off to a degree that would suggest like there's not a clear understanding, and there's some sort of like I'll admit I was late on this. I was late on this. I was yeah, late and, on this. So when you hear Marcus Smart come out and say what he said, which is which is wild that it got to that point in and of itself, that's the symptom. Like the cause of it, I think, is that you have two really, really talented young players who are both vying for the Celtics being their team. And I think what you see, how that manifests itself in the games is what Marcus Smart was talking about in the press conference. Yes. I just, this is, this is how I saw it in the beginning. I was like, oh, damn, they're just... Jalen Brown's just taking that next step. Like, wow, this is cool. This is really cool. I didn't think about the ramifications of what it would with Jason Tatum and all these things and the and the and Marcus Smart. I didn't see that. And 
This has been interesting because this is the second time this has happened during this kind of iteration of the Celtics, right? We saw the first time with Kyrie, and then we saw the uh, the second time is right now. We saw that when everybody is just trying to figure out their roles, and I think this is just a thing of you got to trade one or the other, man. You just kind of have to. I, I think at this point, you just have to. They had a players only meeting, which you know when it's and they. This is funny, you know when like. Raja, we know a motherfucker's just blatantly lying to us, right? We we are both people that just do that. They were trying to say, oh, no, it was a team dinner that we already had planned, but the guys just wanted extra time beforehand to speak things out before the coaches got there. What does that sound like, Raja Bell? What is that? Yeah. What is that, Raja? By definition, it's a players meeting. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, just want I mean, to get think, that out there. Right? Like you had players requesting to meet for extra time by themselves. That's a players only meeting. Thank you, yeah, Raja. I think maybe you saw it defined. But it's 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 too early to be having players only meetings. The players only meetings never work, dog. They just never do. Almost never do. That's yeah, good. Yes, they almost never work. I I, I will just say I I don't know that you got to trade one of those dudes. You don't this think is just so? big. I don't. I mean, you might have to at the end of the day. I don't know that you need to do it now because I don't think you're winning shit this year. Do you know what I mean? I think you 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 play that out and just. Maybe you ultimately you need to do pick your side, bro. Every at some point you need to pick a player because those two, as much as they're probably boys and they wouldn't say this, maybe they'd say it behind closed doors. I do think that both of them feel like they are that dude, and when and 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 they're so young that you know LeBron and 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 and, and D Wade and Chris Bosh can do that. They're at a point in their career where priorities are winning championships. Well, even then they had to have a talk. You but know? they did, and it didn't work out year one. It had to be year two. I think these dudes are still, you know, at a place where they're trying to carve out, like, Jalen Brown wants to be the best player in the league. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Jason Player wants to be the, Jason Tatum wants to be the best player in the league. And I love both of those players for that reason. I, I absolutely love both of those. Um, but it reminds me a lot of the, uh, of Bradley Beal and um, John Wall. You know, you know, outwardly they're like, oh, we're boys, we're good, we're good. But like, clearly, if you watch the game, it was like there, there's a power struggle there. And Bradley Beal ultimately won that one, and a lot of that, some of that has to do at least with uh, John Wall getting injured. Um, but I see that. I think you're gonna have to pick, though. I think at some point you're gonna have to be like, no, I, um, him or me, and it ain't even no beef because I want my own team. You know, and Jalen's playing like. a monster right now Jalen is a he's a he a boy right now yeah a couple of years ago I, I know nobody wanted to hear it but I, mean, I, I saw the look in his eye and the skill set I was like that's gonna that's not gonna be an easy choice because people have penciled Jason Tatum and I'm not taking anything away from Jason Tatum he's tough but that kid the other one looked like he had way more to learn still you know Jason yeah. Tatum and he's still growing too but I could see that that boy was, he wasn't just going to be happy being like a, a defensive three and D dude out there to supplement. <laughs> you know, that's not what his. <laughs> I covered Jalen Brown, his lone year at Cal. Dude had just, he wasn't in like the best program because, you know, Cal basketball, you know, it, it is what it is, but he just had a look. It just had a look in his eyes like, I'm ready to kick all y'all motherfucking ass. Every single one of you. You, you too. You, you too. I don't care. I love that. I love that in Jalen. And I love Jason Tatum too. Jason Tatum is so good as a basketball player. I, I do feel that. But you can't have those. I don't, I don't think 
you can have those two long term just because like dog they both want the same thing and you can't there's only there's only one role to be a number one and there's only one role to be a number two you got to figure that out so we'll see what happens with the celtics man well that's something that we're all keeping an eye on in the real ones but um Roger, let me go who, let me go real one bro because i got like your real one of the week? on my eight percent now oh eight percent um real one of the week i don't even think this is like oh no I was going to go, listen, I was going to go Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad. Not because I agree with what he did. I, that's not what I'm saying. Hear me now. It's not because I agree with what he did. <laughs> but boy, that, t- that takes some, for lack of a better way to put it, moxie. When you go get up there and put a video montage together of your son being open and then openly talk shit about his quarterback. Like that is, that's some I shit. Mean, here's the thing though. Parents talk shit about other pl- teammates. It happens. They talk shit about other, oh. the other teammates, the coach, the coach ain't shit. That happens more than you think. Talk, no, no. Yes. Talking it and putting video montages out, supporting it. Those are two completely different things. Um, also creativity. I, creativity there too with that video. Montage. Yeah, no, that was just wild to me, but not going to give it to him. All right. I'm going to give it to the Atlanta Braves organization. First World mm. Series since 1995 and specifically one Jorge Soler. Oh. Okay who was absolutely getting it done like world series mvp and the bomb that he hit out of out of uh i don't know what houston stadium is called at this point that was like 460 some like just like putting the exclamation point on it um it was a great world series for him personally and shout out to the braves as real ones of the week for winning the world series that has been another edition of real ones real a real deep real ones here um Make sure you check us out on Mondays and Thursdays. In the meantime, check out Mismatch. Check out Group Chat. Check out The Answer. Check out Black Girl Songbook with Who? Raja Bell. Town legend, Danielle Smith. And make sure you check out R2C2 with Who? Raja Bell. Uh, the Crestside Clown, Vallejo legend, 1CC Sabathia. Oof. We'll see you guys next week. Holla. Holla.